We're going to talk about the prophecies of Jesus. And this is one of the most interesting subjects in the entire Bible. It's recorded in Matthew 24. It's recorded in Mark 13 and also in Luke 21. Those three chapters, they recorded what Jesus had to say when they asked him about the destruction of the temple. I'm going to read some verses to you in Matthew. We'll start here and then we'll move over into uh, into uh, Luke as well and to get some verifications and show some things there. And uh, it's going to take us into the book of Daniel. And this is very interesting because, folks, things are shaping up in the world today that it has been prophesied and spoken of in the word of God in Jesus' time, in the apostles' time, and way back even before that in Daniel's time. And I'm going to give you some scriptures and show you some things in the book here today because we're headed. We've also had some messages in tongues, interpretation, that's uh, come forth in this church. And uh, they have a similar warning to it that there's a time of darkness that's coming on the earth. I think a lot of you know that. There's somebody in the church here that records it on their phone, and then they type it up and print it up. I haven't seen it, but I've seen them, but there's been several of them. There's several of them. But they're all saying pretty well the same thing. And there's uh, several people in the church here that God has used with that gift, those gifts. There's two gifts involved, a mess, a tongues and interpretation. Sometimes a person has both gifts. Sometimes a person, one person has one, another one has the other one. Uh, but that's, it's all in the 12th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, if you ever want to study it out. But what I want to talk to you about here today is the prophecies of Jesus. That's, I'm going to start with the verses that's found in Matthew. So if you'll turn with the Matthew 24, 1. Matthew 24, 1, and we're going to start with that very first uh, number one that we've got up here. Jesus, uh, Jesus' Jesus's comment on the temple being destroyed. Now, look at this very closely with me. If you've ever been to Palestine and you look at the Temple Mount, there's the, gold, the, dome, of the, uh, the dome of the Rock or the Golden Dome that's there now. That's a Muslim mosque, a Muslim shrine, I should say. Uh, it's not at all to do with the Temple, but it's uh, very elaborate, very uh, expensive, and very, very... Uh, important I should use the right word to the Muslim world and so even though it's on the old temple mount and it's in Jerusalem they say that's ours don't touch it if you do you're going to have all the Muslim world on your back about it they're going to be fighting like crazy and they will too so that's what was that's what's there now what was there then was the temple that sat on the mount in Jesus's day Herod's temple it was called originally built by Zerubbabel and then, be, and then refurbished by Herod. And it was called Herod's Temple. And it was very beautiful, very ornate, very gorgeous, glamorous. And uh, it was a long time building. Now I'm going to read chapter 24 here. And uh, Jesus went out and Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Notice that. He had been in the temple, he had been he doing some healings, he had been talking to some of the scribes and Pharisees about some of their, uh, their peculiarities that they were having and their misinterpretation of the scriptures, and Jesus talked to them about all that in that 
third chapter. And then finally in verse, in chapter 24, verse 1, Jesus went out and departed from the temple and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Now they were probably over on the Mount of, uh, on the Mount of Olives looking back over. You just, just look across, it's about like, uh, I don't know how to describe it from here to the 7-Eleven, but beyond that even, you know, across the street. Beyond that, whatever that is over there, I don't know. But anyhow, they were looking across a valley at the Temple Mount. And uh, it says here, and Jesus said unto them, they looked at the Temple and said, for to show him the buildings of the Temple. Jesus, don't we have a beautiful Temple? We have such a beautiful Temple, look at it. And this is what Jesus said to them in verse 2. Jesus said unto them, See ye not that all these things, verily, verily, I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, verse 3 says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, now this is where he went over the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? That is the destruction of the temple that you're talking about. And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? So there's three questions that they ask here, Jesus. One was about the, the temple being destroyed, and one was about his return, coming back, because this was near the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, and would be shortly after that that he would be, uh, he would be uh, taken captive and, 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 and crucified and so forth. So anyhow, he had begun to tell them that he was going to be leaving them, so forth. I won't go into detail on that, but he says here, they said, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Uh, and uh, I want to talk to you here a little bit about these words that Jesus said. I'm going to jump to verse 6 to save time, and we'll be filling in these verses later. Verse 6, And ye shall hear wars and rumors of wars, see that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now notice that. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Let me read verse 4. I don't want to... Let me go back and read verse 4 because some of you may feel like I'm skipping something important here. He said, Tell us when shall these things be in the end of the world. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying that I am the Christ and shall deceive many. And there were numerous uh, messiahs, so-called, who came and said, we are the Messiah, and they deceived a lot of people. All through history they have done that. Now, this is where I'm going to verse 6. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See not that ye be troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. The end is not yet. You're going to have wars and rumors of wars, but the end is not yet. End of what? The end of this period of time that we're talking about. I'm jumping down here now to verse 14. Look what he says in verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom, that's the church age that we're talking about. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Folks, that's what's going on now. That's where we are right now. And that's what it's saying here. And this is recorded also in Mark, also in Luke as, as well. 
This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, I'm going back up here to verse 6. Whenever he talks about, you'll hear wars, rumors of wars, be not troubled, for all these things must come. But the end is not yet. You're going to have these things. They're going to come and go, and they're going to be out there, and they'll be there as long as the gospel is being preached in all the world. And if I could just take a moment here and, and just, just put your mind back, all through the last 2,000 years, there has been these wars and rumors of wars and stored nation rising against nation. And people, you know, I remember as a boy, World War II. I remember that when I was a boy. I was a little fella. And World War II was going on. The whole world was at war. Before that, there was World War One. And before that was, that was Napoleon conquering all of Europe. And it goes on back, you could go on back in Charlemagne and all of these different conquerors and leaders. And wars have been going on for a long time. So he says, but be not, but see that you be not troubled. Don't be troubled about it because they're going to be happening. For all these things must come to pass, but the end of reading verse 6. Now I'm jumping down to verse 14. And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And then shall the end come. And we're getting there. We're getting there, folks. It's being preached in all the world. That's why that the United Pentecostal Church is so uh, set on trying to reach the world, because we have a job to do. That's, that's that missionary job. That's how we got organized as churches, United Pentecostal Churches, United. One of the things that caused us to be united was the effort and the need and the desire to be able to send missionaries all over the world. Praise God and thank God for all of that. And there's many of them now that's in countries and places that's going forth, thank God, and it's being achieved, it's achieving its purposes and its good things. Now, I'm going to move on here. When you therefore... Let me finish reading 14. And the gospel that came shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, verse 15. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Then he's in brackets here, whosoever readeth, let him understand. So before I go any further, we're going to fill in later on from verse 6 on down to verse 14. And then after that in 16, we'll fill in. But I want to go to the book of Daniel because Jesus says here that we have to understand Daniel to understand what he's talking about, all the destruction, desolations, and things that's coming on the earth. So he says, but uh, that's spoken about Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whosoever he let him understand. Now... I want you to go with me to, to the book of Daniel here. I'm going to show you some things with the book of Daniel. And uh, I want you to go to Daniel chapter 9. But before I get into the reading of the book of Daniel, let me show you what, how Daniel got where he was, what all happened there. Uh, this is a map of... Uh, of Palestine, whenever the Jews first went there and took over that, with Joshua, they took over that, uh, that country, Palestine, we call it. Uh, you can't see it too much. All these colors here represents the tribes. 
that doesn't mean anything to you, but each one of these colors is a tribe. There were 12 tribes of Israel, and the Lord told them how it was to be divided up. So when they came into Palestine, they, they divided up the land like this. Now, as time went along, and David became king later, the land, the, the empire expanded. It grew to a, to be a much larger area. And, uh, when it did, the Lord said, David, I'm going to give now this kingdom to your son, uh, Solomon. And I'll give him great wisdom to be able to have peace in his day. And he's going to build a temple and so forth in Jerusalem for me. He'll be, he'll be the one to build it. Well, Solomon took over. David reigned for 40 years. Solomon took over. Solomon reigned for 40 years. Solomon never fought anybody, never had war. David was a man of war. His son, Solomon, never fought a war. And he, he was very wise, very smart, but you can't outsmart God's way. God had some instructions. Don't go to the heathens for your wives. And don't go to your Egypt for your horses and for your wives. That's what he told Israel. Solomon, in all of his wisdom, though, said, If I marry the daughters of these heathen kings around me, I make peace with them. Because I'm their son-in-law. They don't want to go to war with their son-in-law. And so he started marrying these women. That's why he had so many wives. He just had, he had all these wives because he's marrying these women. They had this big harem of women. And... And consequently, there was all kinds of uh, peace that he had. He didn't have any trouble until he got to be an old man. And these heathen women wanted idols to their gods from their countries, from their tribes, from their heathen people. And they were the Baal, Balaam, and uh, Baal, I mean, and there was uh, the groves, the prophets of the groves, and there was, uh, they had all kinds of, all the, up in the heavens, they had names for all these different gods they had and the queen of heaven and on and on and on and on and on and so Solomon God said okay 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 I'll build you a shrine over here on this little hill or mountain another one said right, Solomon you built her one build one for me and so first thing he was building things all over the place and God said Solomon you've sinned you've committed all of these things and I told you don't do it and you've done all that stuff and I won't do it while you're living, but when you die, your kingdom's going to be divided. So this kingdom of Israel was divided like this. Israel would be the northern kingdom. Judah would become the southern kingdom. And when Solomon died, his son, his son, uh, Rehoboam, took the southern one. And Jeroboam, a servant of his, took the northern kingdom. So Israel became two nations. The southern was called Judah. The northern was simply called Israel, called Israel. And, uh, and I won't go into detail because the division part is not the important thing. It's the only thing is that both these nations rocked along as sister nations from time to time. But the northern kingdom was more wicked than the southern kingdom and fell away from God so much until 721. That's from 1000 B.C. to 721 B.C. That's like 300 years later. The Lord said, it's enough. He had sent Elijah their way. He had sent Elisha their way. He said, okay, I'm going to. And so he said, I'm going to destroy. So he destroyed. He sent the Assyrian Empire. Now, I'm going to give you a map up here. This is a map of uh, the, the sort of the uh, Middle East and that area. And if you'll notice that over here, this is Assyria right up in here. 
And this is, is Nineveh right here. Nineveh, you can't see it too well, but this is where that arrow is pointing. This is where Nineveh is. And in 321, uh, the, the uh, rib with his big armies and everything came down from Assyria there and conquered the northern kingdom down here. But they never conquered Judah, the southern part of Palestine. They just got the northern part. And they took all those people captive and took them all and scattered them all over the place. And then brought in a bunch of these other people from different places and put them there in that little place called Samaria. And it was called Samaria then. And that's why the Jews later did not like the Samaritans. They were half Jews, half Gentiles. I don't want to get any further than that. Now, Judah continued to prosper on in the favor of the Lord for another hundred years. But eventually they got, they started having bad kings, living in sin, doing the wrong thing. And so the Lord sent judgment their way. This is what all the prophets in the Bible speaks about. You see all those prophets in there, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Mike, all of those. They speak about all these things. And in, and in, seven, in 606 B.C., uh, Babylon over here, who had in the meantime conquered Assyria, and now Babylon was the big cheese over here, they sent an army over here and conquered then. Uh, the southern kingdom. And when they did, they took 10,000 of the choice young people of, of, of Judah back to Babylon with them. And Daniel was one of them. You've heard the names of what's called the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They were not really children. They were teenagers when they were taken over there. But anyhow, they were also uh, with Daniel. There's four of them together. There was also Mordecai. That was that was the uncle of Esther, and I could go on and on. There was different people. The many of Ezekiel was one that was also taken over there, but he was put in another area. But these young men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, were of royal blood, so they were put in the palace, and they were put there in order to give the king uh, counsel, advice, and so forth. And they became a king to that, and so forth. So this is how Daniel got into this position. Well, as time went along, he kept wondering about when is God ever going to redo the temple? When is he going to rebuild Jerusalem? It's been destroyed. 606 was when Nebuchadnezzar came. He came back later in, in uh, 599 or somewhere right around six, about 600 and changed the king and made shuffle things around and went back home again and said, now pay your taxes and all that stuff. And then 588, they didn't do it. He came down. This time he destroyed everything. He destroyed the Temple of Solomon that was so beautiful and took all the gold, the silver, and everything, took it all back to Babylon and everything. And this was the state that it was in, praise the Lord, when Daniel uh, decided that it was time to do some praying. So in the ninth chapter of the book of Daniel, Daniel came to realize if he didn't do it, so this is what he, and I'm reading here in chapter 9, Daniel chapter 9 and verse 3. And this is why, before I read that in Daniel, uh, here's why Daniel knew that he had to repent. Over here in the book of Deuteronomy 30 and 1, I'm going to move this map now. And we're, he's over in Babylon. Later on, the Persians conquered the Babylonians. And so by this time, he was under the Persian Empire. But uh, but this is all over in the Middle East there, and it was a long ways away from Palestine. And so uh, he was in Babylon, and uh, he prayed of repentance for all Israel. 
And I'm going to read that to you in a moment. But note here, see why Daniel knew to pray. Deuteronomy 30, 1 through 3. I'm going to read those three verses to you very quickly here. This is also found in Leviticus 26, verses 40 and 41 and 2. But look at 30 and 1. This is Deuteronomy. It shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessings and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mine among all the nations, whether the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Notice that. Pray with all of your heart and soul. That then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee, and will return and gather thee from all the nations, whether the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. So this is what Daniel read, and he found that out. And so here in chapter nine, in verse chapter nine, verse three, Daniel decided it's time to pray and get back to God and fulfill what he had read over in Deuteronomy or in Leviticus there or both. Look at verse three, nine three. I'm going back now to this B part here. Right here, his prayer of repentance. And I set my face unto the Lord God to, to seek by prayer and supplications and fastings and sackcloths and ashes. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the, keeping the covenant and mercy of them that love thee, love him, and to them that keep his commandments. And verse five says, we have sinned. Notice he says we because all through here he prays for himself and for all of Israel. He goes on to say that verse fifth verse and have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even departing from the precepts and from thy judgment. It goes on and on and on and for all of these verses from here from verse five from verse three right on down through verse 19 Daniel prays for Israel. With all of his heart, sackcloth and ashes with his face on the floor and seeking God with all of his heart <coughs> and saying, God, forgive us. Because that's what your word says. If we will do that, then you will, praise the Lord, forgive us and reestablish us again as a nation back in Palestine. Now, look at verse 20. This is interesting here. Here's what happened when Daniel was praying. And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin, we're still in Daniel 9, 20 now. And the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my Lord, of my God. Yea, whilst I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, look at that, Gabriel, the angel, the man Gabriel whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, He's talking about a vision he had in chapter 8. And uh, he said, being caused to fly swiftly touched me about the time of the evening oblation. Evening oblation was about the time they used to do evening sacrifices back in, in, in Jerusalem. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. Now this angel had sent from God to tell Daniel, you've been praying, and I'm going to tell you now what's going to happen about your people, about Israel. And I'm going to read these verses through to you very quickly. here. Look at this closely, folks, because in these next few verses I'm going to read to you is a prophecy all about Israel. And any of those 
Sadducees, Pharisees, scribes, priests in Jesus' time could have read this. And they could have known a lot more than they knew if they had been diligent to read and study the Word of God. That's why the Lord said, when you understand what I'm saying to you, Jesus says that in the 24 verse, understand what I'm saying, understand Daniel. And here's what Daniel said. Look at 24th verse. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. Not weeks of days, but weeks of years. Seventy weeks of years. And he said, seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know, therefore, and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem. Now, that happened, and that happened in, the, in the Nehemiah and Ezra, in that period of time, Ezra. And it was the sixth chapter of Ezra where that happened. The Lord, the king of the Persians gave commission to those Jews for them to go back. 50,000 of them to go back and build the temple and later to go back and build the city. And he said, when the commandment is given unto them to go back, it says, to restore and to build Jerusalem, not the temple at this point, but the, the city of Jerusalem, which came a little bit later, unto the Messiah, from that time that it was given, unto the Messiah, the Prince. Well, that's Jesus, right? Isn't Jesus the Messiah? Yeah, that's what the word Christ means. It means, that's the Greek word for the, for the word Messiah, which is Hebrew. And so Jesus Christ is Jesus the Messiah. So he was the Messiah. It says, until the, the Jerusalem shall be built until the Messiah, the Prince, shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. That's 69 weeks. The streets shall be built again and the walls even in troublesome times. Now you can add all that up and I could spend, I could spend, uh, weeks talking to you about these, these Daniel 70 weeks involved or, weeks here in Mabob. But I want to go to verse 26 because this is where we're going here with this. Where does it all this go? And after three score and two weeks, that's all this period of time, years and years that will pass. You're talking about 500 years now. You talk, you know, you understand here now that the commandment to rebuild the temple was about 536 BC. And then now we're talking, we look at a later date here in, in Jesus's time. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. If you got, if you got your Bible, mark and underline that. Messiah shall be cut off. That means he'll be killed. That means he'll be killed. That's the same thing that you see in, uh, in, uh, in, in Isaiah 53. It says that the Messiah would be cut off. It's the same thing you see in Psalms 22.1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And that's what Jesus said when he was on the cross, and that's what's recorded in Psalm 20. It's a prophecy of Jesus. And it says the same thing here. So there's three places it talks about the Messiah being killed when he would come. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Hmm. I wonder why. Because he would die for the people. He died and shed his blood for us. He didn't die for himself. He died for us. He knew, he that knew no sin took upon himself our sins and died in our place and he died for us.
but not for himself. I'm reading here, that's verse 26 still. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Here's six, here's, here's 500 years before Jesus and Daniel is already telling them all these things is going to come to pass. And he's telling them that. Now look what else it says. And the people of the prince that shall come. Oh, there's going to be some people that's going to come. Yeah. The people of the prince that shall come. The prince. It doesn't say the king. The people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary that would be built in the beginning of this, this uh, 70 weeks. Or this, uh, this period of time that he mentioned here. So the temple that's going to be built that you're asking about, that's going to be destroyed too. When the Messiah comes and he is killed, then following that, there's going to come a people of the prince. You know who that is? Anybody can tell me? There was the Romans. It was the Romans who came down against Jerusalem and destroyed the temple in 70 A.D. You know who the prince was? Titus was his name. Why didn't he say king? Because Titus was a prince. His father, Vespasian, was a general leading that massive uh, uh, Roman army down through, all through Palestine uh, in, uh, what, 67, 68, 69 A.D., A.D. now. This is after Jesus had ascended into heaven. This is after the gospel had gone out and preached. This is after the early church had been established. And uh, people in Jerusalem, a lot of them were Christians, but they had all moved out at this time because they knew that this was in prophecy and Jesus had already talked about it. Praise the Lord. Stick with the word, folks, and you stay ahead of the game. Amen. But the Bible says here that this prince, who was Titus, his father Vespasian, when Nero died as the emperor of Rome, Rome sent for Vespasian and said, come to Rome, we want you to be our new emperor. And he got on his horse and with his entourage and he rode as fast as he could and went to Rome to receive that honor in that place. And he said to his son Titus, you take the army and go on down and finish the job with these Jews. You conquer all of these, these cities along the way and everything. And then when you get to Jerusalem, conquer Jerusalem and everything. We've got to put this rebellion down. They're, well, they're trying to rebel and do their own thing and they're against the Roman government. We've got to put this rebellion down. So this is what this passage So The prince was Titus. So Titus brought this army down. And folks, that's all history. That's all history. Praise the Lord. And he said he brought his army right on down. Now, uh, I want you to notice here. This is Gabriel's message. I'm on E here. This is Gabriel's message to Daniel. On Daniel 9, 24 to 26. And that's what we just got through reading. Now, I'm going to go back to Matthew 24 for a moment. Go back to Matthew 24. And I want to finish reading these verses that I have read to you. 24, I'm going to pick up at verses 6 through 15. Now, this is back when Jesus was talking to them. And uh, they said, when shall all these things be? The destroyed destruction of the temple that's standing here that we see that's so beautiful now? When shall that be destroyed and the end of thy coming and of the end of the world? That end of the world is referring to the end of the day, end of the age, I mean. When it shall be the end of the age, that means a period of time. 
it wasn't talking about the uh, the earth as, as as we know of it. The word that's used that comes out of the Greek is is that word, which is another word for it. All right, I, I won't dwell with that, but I'm going on here. I want to pick up here now, uh, verse six. You shall hear wars and rumors of war. See now that you be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And we read that. Now I'm going to pick up on seven. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. This is talking about the church now. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall, ar- shall rise and shall destroy many, deceive many rather. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, this is what happened in that early church. Man, they took off preaching the gospel, spreading the word and going on. And then they got all kinds of crazy ideas and philosophies. Some of these old Greek philosophers got saved, so-called saved, got in the church. And they decided that to make Christianity more popular and acceptable and understandable in their way of thinking, they need to bring in some Greek philosophy. Now, I'm not just giving this. I got history books that that lined up like this. And this all church history books, and they're all in there. That's what they started doing. They started teaching all of this kind of stuff that had nothing to do with the Word of God. That's why, folks, you got to go back to the book of Acts where the apostles preached the Word of God. What did they preach? What did they teach? What did they say? That's where we are. Praise God, always and everything. But these people began to wander off. They got into all kind of things. And the Bible says here that they, they, began, they got into iniquity. And they shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, but they shall endure unto the end the same, but he that endures unto the end the same shall be saved. And then finally, verse 14, caps it all off. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So what you're talking about here all through these verses that I read to you is that church age period of time, that church age period of time, that period where the... the he said that all these things would happen, but he says that but whenever, uh, whenever Jesus first presented this to them, uh, they said, what, when shall all these things be talking about the temple being destroyed? Now, I want you to look at verse 15. I've just read to you 14. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for the witness of the end. Then shall the end come. Now, I'm going back to 15. When you therefore... Therefore, now he's backing up to where they are right now, then. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. Now, uh, let me show you some verses here. I'm going to go to this number two here right now. I'm looking at my time, trying to stay tracked here. The abomination of desolation. I want you to go to Daniel 1131 with me again. Are you still with me? I know I told you to buckle your seatbelts and hang on, get both feet in, and then we're just plowing deep. All right. 
I'm giving you a lot here. I know I'm giving you a lot of stuff here. I'm going to give you some good stuff here in a moment, too, that's going to line up with all this. Uh, I want you to look at Daniel here. I'm getting to it myself. Yeah, let me find it. Excuse me. There we go. All right. Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. This is in the middle of uh, Gabriel later talking to Daniel. And uh, he says, Arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. He's talking about that temple now that was standing that would be telling Daniel that will be standing not in your day but in the later time, and it would be in the, it would be the day of the Messiah, in that time, and when that prince shall come. And uh, he goes on to say here, they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. Down in verse chapter twelve and verse eleven is repeated here when Daniel presses this uh, Gabriel to tell him more, and. The angels tell, no, no, it's over with. I can't tell you no more, Daniel. Look at verse 11, 12, 11 of Daniel. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that make it desolate set up, that should be a 1,290 days. That's three and a half years. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the 1,305 and 30 days. Now, he says this at the last verse in Daniel. But go thy way. Till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. So he said, Daniel, is all I'm going to tell you. And you just go your way, and that's that's it for all I can tell you from God. So <clears throat> we find out then that the abomination of desolation is spoken of here over here by Daniel. Let me, uh, <clears throat> let me show you something here. I want you to go to Psalms with me for a moment. Uh, I want to go to Psalms... Uh, this is the abomination of desolation. We talked about Daniel 31 and uh, 12, 14. Look at Psalms 74, 3 and 9. This is interesting. This is a prophecy of the destruction of the temple. Way over in Psalms. Look at it. Psalm 74, 3. Everybody with me? You said, I don't know, Brother Mario. We're all over the place here. Lift up thy feet unto the perpetual desolations, even all that the enemy hath done wickedly in the sanctuary. This is a prophecy here of the temple being destroyed. Thine enemies roar in the midst of thy congregations. They set up their ensigns for signs. If you've got your Bible, underline that word ensigns. Ensigns was like a, a big banner. It was like a flag, but it was like a banner, and it was very important to a regiment or to a, to a group of military people that identified them, who they were, and so forth. It was their flag, just like we have a flag, an American flag. Uh, they had an ensign. They set up their ensigns for signs. Uh, and uh, it says here, verse 5, a man was famous according as he lived hath lifted up axes upon the thick trees, but now they break down the carved work, speaking of the temple, whereof at once the axes with the, with the axes and hammers, they have cast fire into thy sanctuary. This is a prophecy of the destruction of the temple now. 
found in Psalms. They have defiled by casting them down, the dwelling place of thy name to the ground. They said in their hearts, let us destroy them together. They have burned up all the synagogues of God in the land. We see not our signs. There is no more prophet, neither is there any among us that either is there among us any that knoweth how long. So I'm just reading here where this is a prophecy. Now, I have a reference here, because I'm going to read this out of Josephus. Josephus is a book here. I've got it right here in my hand. I've got two copies of these. I got actually got three. One's a condensed copy, but I got two full-length copies. And uh, Josephus was born in in 37 A.D. He was born just uh, seven years after Jesus was crucified and ascended into heaven. Uh, Josephus was. He lived in that time of the early church. And he lived there to see the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple and everything about it. And he records in his writings one of the most popular books and is the most complete books. And the, it is a complete story of how the Jews were just annihilated. And every time I read it, I am so moved by it and so touched by it that I that I just have to be alone for a while and just pray and talk to God and say, God, you you devastated everything with with Israel just like you said that you would do. Daniel said it. The Lord said it's going to happen. And when G- and the Lord was prophesying over there, and I'm going to talk to you more about prophecy because the prophecy goes on beyond that. But I'm going to talk to you just for a few minutes here about, about Josephus. Here's what Josephus says about the ensigns. This is interesting to me because here it is in Psalms, and then I find it over here in in uh, in Jeremiah. And uh, I'm sorry, I find it over here in uh, uh, Josephus in the history book here. And he he says here, but now Pilate, Pilate was you know the one who tried Jesus and condemned him to the cross. He was the he was the Roman governor of that land of Palestine. He was not the king there like Herod, but he was a governor. But now Pilate, the prosecutor of Judah, removed the army from Caesarea, which was where it was their capital city in Jerusalem. He moved it to Jerusalem to take their winter quarters there in order to abolish the Jewish laws. This was a Pilate's effort to try to tone down those Jews and to get rid of their laws and make them line up to Roman laws. There was all, all this conflict always going on. So he introduced Caesar's edifices, which were upon the ensigns, and brought them into the city, whereas our law forbids us the very making of images. Now it goes on to say, I'm jumping down here, it says, such ensigns as had not those ornaments, Pilate was the first who brought those images to Jerusalem and set them up there, which was done without the knowledge of the people because it was done in the nighttime. Now, later on, when, they, when the Roman armies finally came in, Titus leading them, bringing them into, the, into Jerusalem, the irony of it is that uh, that uh, that uh, the their, their generals and their their leaders told them, "Don't destroy that temple." T- 
Titus told them that. Don't destroy the temple. And so they came in and they started burning everything. And next thing you know, they were beginning to destroy the temple right inside on the Temple Mount. And, uh, and they're, you know, their generals were yelling at them and the soldiers said, Josephus says it was though as though the soldiers never heard what their generals were crying out. And uh, they, were, they were doing it. They were tearing down everything. Now, here's what it says here whenever they went in. How the Romans carried their ensigns to the temple. Now, look at this. And made, uh, made uh, joyful acclamations to Titus. The speech that Titus made to the Jews when they made supplications for mercy and so forth. This is Titus was that prince or that general as he was then. Look at this. And now the Romans, upon the flight of the seditions into the city, and upon the burning of the holy house itself, this is the destruction of the temple now, and of all the buildings round about it, brought their ensigns into the temple, and set them over against its eastern gate, and there did they offer sacrifices to them. Now, I am just sort of wondering if these ensigns that's mentioned in Josephus, it's prophesied in, in Isaiah, those ensigns that were set up in the temple, I'm wondering if that wasn't the abomination of desolation. Because it's an interesting thing that's said here in the footnote of Josephus by the, uh, by the writer or, the, or the, the, the interpreter here, his writings. It says this, Tertullian, who was a... Um, a Christian uh, uh, forefather back then, uh, Tertullian truly says in his apologetics, page so and so so, that the entire region of the Roman camp almost consisted in the worship of the ensigns, religion of the Roman camp, I should say, of the ensigns, in swearing by the ensigns, in preferring preferring the ensigns before all other gods. In other words, they worshiped the ensigns because that's who they were. And they put it up and then, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Jews tried to stop them. Said, no, no, you can't put those up. But they did it anyhow. I'm wondering if that is because when you go back then to Romans, and I've got a few moments here. Let me show you something. When you go back over here to, 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 uh, to Matthew, I should say, and he's saying here that these inside, these, uh, when you shall see these, I'm reading here verse 15. When therefore you shall see the abomination of desolation. This is 2415 of, of, of Matthew. <coughs> Excuse me. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whosoever readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. This is in Jerusalem still now. This is the destruction of the temple back then. Let them flee into the mountain, and let them which are on the housetop not come down and take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But I pray you that your flight be not in winter, because it's going to be cold. Neither on the Sabbath day it's going to be long. You'll be gone for a long time, and you'll be gone for a lot of places. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world. For this time 
no, nor ever shall be. Now, this is not talking about the tribulation that's in the book of Revelation. It's not talking about that. It's talking about the tribulation of the Jews being scattered in all the world. All the world. In 70 A.D., whenever they tore down the temple, the Romans came in, folks, and they were beside themselves. They destroyed the temple and Titus and all those generals saying, no, 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 don't destroy the temple. And they destroyed it. They burned it down and they tore everything down, pulled everything down. Gold was everywhere. Silver was all in that temple and everything. And they were just going on and doing their own thing. And they, they killed the people. They killed uh, 97,000. They killed, I'm sorry, they killed 1,100,000. It's in Josephus here. It's in, in Josephus. I got two copies of it. I got a third one if you want it. They killed 1,100,000 Jews in Jerusalem because it was a holy day and all these Jews had come in there and they had caught, they had trapped them in there and they couldn't get out and they killed that many Jews whenever they came in and, and destroyed that temple. They captured 97,000, took them as slaves down into Egypt and sold them into slavery and the Jews were sent into all the world. And that's what Jesus prophesied. That's why Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He said, Oh, Jerusalem, I would that I could have gathered thee unto myself as a mother hen does her, but ye would not. You knew not the day of your visitation. And folks, I'm going to take this further next week. I'm going to take you into some very interesting things here. Because those Jews knew not the day of their, their visitation. Jesus had come and he was offering them salvation, but they were turning it away. The, we Gentiles now have been given the grace of God. And now this church age is, is going on and is still continuing on. And this is what I've got down here at the very end here about the note until the times of the Gentile be fulfilled. Uh, it's recorded here in Matthew and also in Luke 21 records about it. And Luke talks about the times of the Gentiles. Now look at Romans 11 here. I know my time is just about gone here and I'm going to wrap it up here. Look in uh, Romans here. For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. That is the Jews not being in favor with God, but us Gentiles having the favor of God. You say, let me just say this. What about those Christian Jews? All those that were baptized in Jesus' name through the Holy Ghost. That, 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 uh, that, uh, the, one of the apostles was, was pastor up there in Jerusalem. What about all those Jews? They all left, folks, when they saw this coming to pass. Jesus has said, when you shall see the abomination of the when you shall see the armies. And in Luke, it says, when you shall see the armies coming down upon it, then flee the city. When they saw all these things building up, all of the Christian Jews left Jerusalem and they went up to a city that was on the east side of the Jordan River further north called Pella. And they went up there to Pella and that whole situation missed them totally and completely. Only the Jews that were left. If you and I will serve God and walk with the Lord and stay faithful to God, God will keep his hand on his people because there are some dark days that's coming in this world that's ahead of us. It came to Israel back then and... We are no better than they were. And they sinned and they did frolic and they messed around and Jesus presented the gospel and they never, they never took heed to it. 
And so judgment came. Now the Gentiles have had their day, and the gospel is being preached in all the world. But how much longer do we have? How much longer do we have? And the scripture here says, For I would not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part has happened to the Gentiles until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. <coughs> and Luke says, until the fullness of the Gentiles be, be fulfilled. Uh, there is an interesting verse of scripture found in Hosea. How long will this all be? This is very interesting in Hosea. Uh, yeah, I got four minutes. Give me this and I'm going to give you something real good here. Look at Hosea chapter 3 and verse 4. For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king. This is a prophecy about them. Without a prince, without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without the ephod, without the teraphim. Afterwards shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Now, are you still in Hosea? Chapter 5, verse 6, uh, chapter 6, I mean, verse 1. Chapter 6, verse 1. Come, let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn, and he will heal us. This is Israel now. He hath smitten, and he will bind us up. Now look at this next verse real close. And if you've got a pen, put a ring around it. Don't ever forget it. After two days will he revive us. Everybody see that? After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Now, let me show you another verse of scripture here. Second Peter and chapter 3 and verse 8. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one day, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. And a thousand years is one day. Remember the Lord told Adam and Eve in the day that you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. Adam lived to be 930 years. Methuselah, the longest man that ever lived, lived to be 969 years. Nobody's ever lived beyond a thousand years. Within that day, we've died. So a thousand years with the day of the Lord. Now, well, my goodness. Wow. Really, we're getting 20, 22. But this is not talking about, this is talking about the destruction of the temple. And it's talking about, or was it when Jesus was crucified? When is it? I don't know. I'm just saying we're getting close to the end time, folks. And that time of the Gentiles in which the Lord has allowed the Gentiles, we who had no rights to Jesus, he has given us his grace, he has given us his mercy, he has given us his love, and we have responded by our faith in him. And I'm just telling you here that we're running out of time, praise the Lord. If there's ever been a time we need to be serious with God, walk with the Lord with all of our heart, and serve Him. And if you are not saved, and if you're on the Internet watching this tonight, get saved if you're not saved. Get right with God if you're not right with God. Praise the Lord. Get in the faith. Because Jesus is coming back soon. And i got a lot to give you next week because we're going to be talking about where we are today. This was about Israel then. And it was so accurate, but Jesus said, as it was then, so shall it be today. And I'm going to give you some good things. i got some good things to give you. We're going to talk a little bit, too, about maybe this COVID thing. And I'll give you some information from the Bible here, from the Bible. And that's going to be interesting.
Well, I won't. I want to promise you what I can't deliver here, but it's some good things coming up. Let's stand together and let's praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lift your hands and worship the Lord with us. Oh, Lord, we love you for your goodness and blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness. Thank you for your long suffering. Thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord. Thank you, God, <coughs> that you loved us and you still love us. And that you're getting heaven ready for us, Lord. Bless your people in everything we do, Lord. Help us to draw close to you and draw nigh unto you, Lord, with all of our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.